The town of Moat in County Westmeath has made very, very progressive strides in trying to deal with the ravages of the collapse of the Celtic Tiger and the collapse of the economy and also uh, as a town in the middle of Ireland that has now been bypassed by a motorway um, a group have come together and have been instrumental in making uh, a lot of changes and taking a lot of initiatives to try and generate uh, interest in the town through employment, through tourism, through a lot of other initiatives and have been recognised and rewarded for it and uh, there's the umbrella organisation the Moat Action Group and Peter Dolan sits at the helm of the Moat Action Group and I'm sitting across from Peter. Peter, thanks a million first of all for having agreeing to chat. You're more than welcome, Austin. Um, Moat is a quiet town in the middle of Ireland and was traditionally um, would have been a market town based on agriculture. Things have changed. Uh, yeah, Austin, uh, I suppose uh, if I might start off by saying when we were set up, we're in existence now about uh, since uh, the middle of 2014 and Mode Action Group was set up uh, as a result of uh, people who were interested in the community wanted to come together and to see what could we do to, to help develop the town, to recover from the recession. Uh, and uh, to make it, I suppose one of the thoughts we have is the best small town in Ireland. What did they say about Reno, Austin? Well, we want to be the best little small town in Ireland. Right. <laughs> so, um, 2014 was, things were starting to turn. Things were beginning to turn very, very slowly. And I, and I give you an example of it, Austin. I, uh, I went to a family, a family burial uh, down in East Galway uh, that year. And driving through a lot of the towns and villages down there, uh, it, it was a pretty bleak drive, not alone because of the weather and, mm -hmm. and, and, and all of the rain, uh, but also because of the, the closures, the closures in shops. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, one of our main ones in setting it up, I, I, I came up with the notion that, that operating uh, substantial community work can no longer be done from the kitchen table. Mm -hmm. uh, there's so much paperwork involved, there's so many rules, regulations, uh, so many people you have to contact to. So one of the first things that we did was we set up, uh, we set up a community office. And I think that has been one of the keys to the success uh, that we're beginning to have. Uh, the community office was set up in 2015. Uh, and again, looking around us here, Austin, you see every every bit and piece in this from the chairs, the desks, the tables, the floor covering, everything was donated. Mm -hmm. uh, the computers, uh, the clocks, everything. Uh, and we were very, very lucky uh, to get two excellent ladies who work five mornings a week here in the office. They're on uh, a community employment scheme. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and that has been that has been one of the keys to it. We have our meetings here at the at the boardroom table. Uh, we have uh, uh, the benefit of having two excellent councillors on it, and that link with local government is so so important. Uh, and through that, we've uh, developed uh, an excellent relationship uh, with one of the directors of the service in Westmeath County Council, 
who sees what we're doing, who sees in it the possibility of replicating this in other towns uh, around, uh, around the county. Uh, in one sense we're lucky in the size of Moat. The last census, 2016, uh, had the population of 3,088. Right. Uh, which is it's, it's a nice grouping to be working with. Mm -hmm. and, uh, speaking to people who are involved in uh, community centres in the larger towns like Atlone and Mullingar, yeah, th there is more of a difficulty in communicating the message. Right. So I suppose that's one of the things that, uh, that's in our favour is the actual size of the town. Uh, going back, you mentioned there about it being a market town. Uh, as part of the drive to regenerate rural Ireland, uh, the government has uh, rolling out various uh, incentives, uh, funding incentives and that. And one of them is the town renewal uh, mm -hmm. funding. And uh, we got uh, 100,000 uh, currently for various different projects around, around the town. Uh, there's one area uh, you might remember from your days here, Austin, about the harbour in inverted commas, the harbour in fact being a small uh, mill pond. Yes, yes. With a, with a stream flowing, flowing through it. Uh, it's colloquially referred to as the harbour. Uh, and in behind it is a beautiful Quaker house built in 1762. Uh, and the project is going on at the moment uh, where the first thing uh, we did was to clear out trees in front of the house, selected trees and scrubland and all the rest of it. Uh, we are putting in a mill wheel into mm -hmm. the stream uh, which will be fully working and it will be generating lighting uh, for, for that area, opening okay. a small fountain, some seeds, that type of thing. It's, uh, environmental, environmental improvements. But, uh, one of the other projects that we're doing then is providing information signs around town, historical information mm -hmm. signs. Uh, in this complex that we're sitting in at the moment, Tourard Theatre and Arts Centre and Coffee Shop, that uh, a lot of tour buses come in here uh, and they walk out on the street and they're looking at what are pretty nice buildings and really wondering, well, well what's, what's that all about? So what we're doing is uh, putting plaques on the walls of some of the houses for some of the notable people who had lived here and not. Uh, and we're also doing uh, information signs that would say, right, uh, we are now standing in Church Street here. Uh, uh, General Cornwell has stayed in this house as, uh, uh, or he overwintered in one of the houses here mm -hmm. in Mort, mm -hmm. uh, as he came back from the Battle of Balnamuck. Right. And uh, there's a townland just uh, uh, west of the town here. It's called Campfield. Mm -hmm. And it's called Campfield because that's, that's where the soldiers camped. Right. So it's right. called Campfield. So through that, we've developed another thing that we've nearly forgotten about. It's Moat's Quaker heritage. And this is where uh, I'm just mentioning uh, about the, the market town. Yes, it was a market town, very much so from the 1800s onwards. But before that, it was very much a Quaker town. Uh, that house that I mentioned to you down uh, down the harbour, that's a Quaker house. Mm -hmm. Beautiful building. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, all of that area around there, uh, I'm 
the names are not relevant to your listeners, but you will remember them. Gagans, Reinhardt's, uh, Cuppies, all of those around there, the old mill, they were all Quaker buildings. Mm -hmm. And it was quite an industrial town at that time because you would have had, uh, you would have linen mills. There were a number of linen mills we hear. Uh, there were breweries, there were distilleries, uh, there were cobblers. It was, it was a different form of life. And to one extent, you can draw parallels with what's happening, uh, it, it, with what we are faced with at the moment. Uh, we talked earlier about WhatsApps and uh, and uh, the internet and the effect that that's having on on uh, small towns. And I give you I give you an anecdote. It's about uh, it was a small sports shop here in town. Uh, and this young man came in, tried on a pair of football boots. In fact, he tried on several pairs of football boots until he got the right size and the right make. And then he says, that's great. Now I go and order them on the internet. So that's what small towns like Erin are going to be faced with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Having said that, there are an awful lot of positives. While we had a lot of closures in shops, some of them were coming to a natural end when mm -hmm. people were retiring. Uh, but others closed, uh, again an anecdotal evidence of one pub in town, as I would say uh, at least 60 of their younger customers had emigrated during that period from mm -hmm. 2008 onwards. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so there was a big, a, a big blow there. The other element on the population is that we had a big influence of people from Eastern Europe here. In fact, at the 2011 census, we had 156 Poles living within the town boundaries of Malt, which is quite, quite a fascinating mm -hmm. figure. Again, we have Latvians, we have uh, Estonians, we have people from, from, from Africa. And I think as my own personal belief is that uh, being a small island on the edge of the Atlantic, you know, the last bit of blood mixture that we had here were the Spaniards. So it's, it's, it's good to have these people mm -hmm. uh, uh, within the town. Mm -hmm. It uh, gives people a flavour of the, we're not just all Irish people, there mm -hmm. are other nationalities as well. Mm -hmm. By the same token, it poses, it poses a bit of a challenge. And that challenge is in the integration of those new nationalities mm -hmm. with the, with the uh, Irish population. You know? And of course, from our perspective, uh, as having emigrated, we had to integrate on the other side and experience Correct. what it's like Correct. to arrive and to yeah. adapt to yeah. a new environment and to a new weather and yeah. a new, new everything yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and all the things that the locals take for granted as being normal. Yeah. The arriving person finds what the hell's going on here. Yeah, yeah. But as well as that, Austin, uh, you, as an immigrant, are bringing a new perspective that you can share with the native with the native pop, uh, population. Mm -hmm. And uh, jumping a little bit forward, uh, with one item that I did want to talk to you about, is we the office here was approached oh, about a year ago uh, by a lady who uh, has uh, qualifications in social work. And she wanted to carry out a community needs assessment. 
With all the other things that have been happening in the office over over the year, we are only now getting down to preparing a brief. So we've agreed a brief. Uh, we have formed a group who are going to go out uh, and meet with as Caroline calls them, uh, Caroline uh, Lawler is her name, is the focus groups. Right. To find out what facilities, what services are available here? And I, I, I thought it was an interesting, interesting approach that one of the focus groups would be the Gardaí. Mm-hmm. Uh, the others would be uh, the medical centre. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you move down through the various sporting organisations, resident groups, and also the age... Uh, uh, the, the, demogra- the, dem- the demographics. The yeah, and find out, right, what's your perceptive? What do you think of it? What is it lacking? What does it need? So that will uh, culminate in uh, going out and doing face-to-face service mm-hmm. for people that sit, sitting down. So we haven't agreed the questions yet. But before you get to that, Peter, like yeah. you came up with a five-year action plan. We did. I've never now, forgotten about that. Yeah, no, it, that in itself, you know, for a community organisation to approach something like this and to say, well, rather than just, you know there's the harbour there's a project yeah or there's something else there's a project yeah you actually sat down and you put structure and you said if we want to get from A to B or A to E in this case a five year plan yeah we need to sit down and we need to think through Correct. so I would imagine that an integral part of any plan then has to include what would be sustainability so at the end of five years what you're obviously trying to do is create an environment which is sustainable yes yes uh, Again, after the community office, that plan was uh, the next best thing that we did. Uh, and we were very lucky in my, my background is in town planning. Uh, and I worked with a neighbouring uh, uh, county for most of my career. Uh, and there was a county secretary there that I always had great respect for. Uh, and he had, uh, he had a very, very interesting way of thinking. So we looked around and we got quotations from various uh, consultants around and looking at them, I said, this is a cut and paste job for them, you know. So I said, no, we need something a little bit more. So we had uh, an introductory meeting with some of the members and Louis uh, and we charted out uh, what was going to be done and what Louis said, that I thought was very good, he said, I'm not going to write stuff for you but I'm going to give you recommendations. So we worked through with Louis for about four, about four months on that. Uh, we held various public meetings uh, just to let people know what was going on, looking for their views on that. And we had a final presentation in the Grand Hotel downtown and we had 150 people at it. That was, that was, that was pretty, pretty impressive. So we're working through that. It covers, excuse me, it covers everything from tourism to environmental improvements, to the regeneration of the tidy towns, to the setting up of a men's shed. All of these things are coming from the five-year plan for action. And as I said, at the end of the five years, obviously the ultimate goal is that there is a vibrancy, there is a continuity, and there is an economy. Because again, if there's no economy at the end of it, everything's going to collapse. Because you can't permanently rely on public funding and you no. can't spend your time I, uh, either that trying to figure out where you're going to get the next euro from yeah. so in within the goals and the objectives while some of the what are the real social needs are there how 
does the five-year plan hope to establish okay. uh, itself and, and what's, uh, what's in the pipeline? Yeah. Uh, let me say uh, uh, often that uh, central government uh, got a bit of a kick in the pants uh, at an election in 2011 uh, where the rural, rural regeneration uh, the rural regeneration uh, uh, do you want to step back in there? No, you're okay. I'm, it's 15-50. Let's pause for 10 seconds. I'll see a, I'll see a straight line, and I'll not. That where one of the issues in in the 2011 general election, uh, that rural Ireland uh, responded uh, to uh, the perceived neglect of rural Ireland by central government. Uh, and since then, uh, government has been trying to make amends, and uh, there are very, uh, there are a number of community programs in that. I have, I have certain difficulties with it. That in, in setting up these programs, that uh, they are examined uh, forensically. Mm -hmm. uh, and recently, I was at a, a seminar uh, on uh, setting up of a scheme where a manager could be employed for the local park that we have created here, the, 20, the 30 acre park up in Dunashimi and St. Heritage. Uh, and I don't mind having to do it for an organisation like that, that it forces us to think mm -hmm. where we're going and it forces us to think of the financial implications. But what really got my goal was that there were groups there who were providing meals on wheels and they were recontracting with a new business plan. And I thought that was, that was a, bit, a bit shameful. And I think that a lot of these schemes, they generate employment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, by the people, for the people who are giving these seminars and mm -hmm. drawing up these business plan templates and everything else. Mm -hmm. But what they're lacking is the actual bodies on the ground. And the two ladies who, who, who run this office here, uh, they're on the community employment scheme. Uh, the max number of years in that is three years. Uh, they are now approaching the end of their second year. Now, they cannot be replaced mm -hmm. uh, for a number of reasons. Number one, that the scheme won't allow it. Mm -hmm. And number two, that we are nearing full employment. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, employment has made a very, very big comeback uh, in terms that uh, the unemployment rate is now hovering about 7%. Mm -hmm. So that in carrying out interviews, uh, um, or to get um, more people, the people just aren't there. Mm -hmm. They're employed as elsewhere. But unfortunately, central government has not yet realised that these jobs here, they are real jobs. Okay, and what we've got here is uh, a social enterprise, and that's the that's the the, the way it is uh, being presented uh, to us. That this community office cannot continue to exist unless we uh, are become a social, uh, a social enterprise. Right. And in fact, that's exactly what we are. Right. We charge for simple things like photocopying. Mm -hmm. We will charge for the use of this, this table mm -hmm. here, the, uh, the conference table. Uh, and also we, 
We help out other groups such as the Tidy Towns, that gentleman you just saw there, Jimmy Redmond, uh, the Tidy Towns, uh, the uh, Men's Shed, the Park, uh, ourselves, and any other group, the Historical Society, we prepare grant applications for them. Right. So we've come to the conclusion that, that really what we've got to do is say, okay, we, we secured a grant for you. Now we've got to get something in return. Mm -hmm. And we put a charge of 30 euro per hour on it, and then we can multiply it out by mm -hmm. how, how many hours were spent on that. That is an income. Similarly, uh, with the Dunashi Amenzi Heritage Park, that uh, the Amenzi Park on its, on its own is not a social enterprise. Right. But we have partnered now with the adjoining uh, Dunashi Heritage Park. Uh, so we've uh, set up uh, a new legal entity or are in the process of setting up a new legal entity and that has trading income. And as I understand that's partnered in some way with the Westmead Genealogical Group. Yes, which, indeed. Which of its nature will drive traffic and football. Correct. Correct. Right. Correct. No, but they're all, I won't quite say soft solutions, but to some degree they are because when I come back to commerce, you know, the lifeblood of any community is going to be the commerce that's in the district and in, in yeah. the community. And as an action group, do you see that any of your role is to either uh, facilitate or to um, network or create the connections yes. that may ultimately pull a bit of work into the area? The, the answer to that is yes. No, you can do that on a number of, uh, uh, on a number of levels. Uh, number one is, if you have an attractive environment, people will come to your town. Mm -hmm. okay? uh, secondly, we have parking issues here in the town. Uh, and we have a subgroup working on those, uh, on those parking, uh, parking issues. Uh, we are also uh, uh, seeking to encourage people, watching the development plan to ensure that land is zoned, in the, in the proper places. Already we can see uh, uh, changes beginning to happen here. It is being changed to a large extent because of our relationship with, with Westmead County Council. Uh, that's one thing, that um, uh, they are preparing a business plan or a um, development plan. A, a development plan. So we have to ensure that we have uh, the proper proper amount of land designated in the right places right. to ensure that the sewage uh, and water facilities are adequate to deal with that. We recognise to an extent that, that we need more accommodation in the town. Right. Uh, we recently ran a festival uh, which was colloquially called the Horses, Hawks and Hounds, but it's actually the Midlands Heartlands Heritage Festival. And that uh, dealt with the native breeds of uh, Irish horses. You had the Connemara Pony and the Irish Draft. We had the nine native breeds of Irish dogs, mm -hmm. and we had the Hawking Society. Right. And they were here. They, all of the events didn't take place here in North. Some of the uh, conference took place down in Killarney. Another conference uh, took place uh, up, in, up in Enfield. But there was a lot of activity that took place around here, right. and it was centered on the raised bogs, right. because from the uh, canine end of things, uh, their interest was in the snipe season, in raising the snipe. No birds were killed or anything like this, and they had the full support of the uh, um, Parks and Wildlife Service right. with regard to that. Now, 
actually for the gala dinner here in Moat in our local small hotel and there were 150 people at it. Right. So that's bringing things in, in, into yes. the economy. Yeah. Uh, behind you you see there a bike fest. Yeah. Uh, we held a bike fest uh, for uh, the opening of the Greenway which right. runs along the old railway line between Mullingar and, uh, and, uh, and that lawn uh, and it runs right through the old town, the station uh, the, the old railway station and uh, the use of that is, is quite it's, it's, it's quite dramatic to see the number of cyclists, the number of walkers who, who are on it. And you will see now, uh, outside all of the coffee shops, the coffee shops that are here, uh, you will find uh, bikes. Right. So, one of the simple things that we did there was, we put a bike racks, because these people need bike racks. Of course. Okay. As part of another uh, venture that we're doing, we're carrying out a feasibility study uh, on the reuse of the old railway station uh, and uh, the development of facilities to uh, help people on the Greenway, such as accommodation. Right. We also have a tourist element in here, and we know that Moat is not a tourist destination. That's a given. But uh, beside us, uh, 10 miles away to the east, we have uh, the famed uh, Kilbegan Distillery. Uh, south of us here, we've got a, a beautiful park down, it's called the Bora Parkland. Right. It's, uh, it's on Cutaway Bog, uh, lakes and walkways and cycleways have been developed down there. Dry stone walls? There's a circular dry stone wall. There, there is, yeah. And it has a flag like flagstone donated by an Ottawa stone mason. Come on. That I didn't was know one, that. one of the flagstones that was on the pier in New York. Go on. Where the ships docked, the famine ships docked, and was about to be dumped. Yeah. And this stone mason recovered it. it. No. Okay. Brought it from New York to Ottawa. And when the cross was being built down, the stones were being built, shipped it back wow. so as to reconnect. Wow. with the immigration Very story good. in Bora. Next time I'm down there, I'll have a look for that. Yep.